While I go and talk, while I talk for just a second, you guys can go ahead and turn to Songs of Solomon, chapter 5. First of all, thank you to everybody that's here tonight, and thank you, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity to stand back here. I don't take it lightly. I was telling Pastor earlier, I'm not scared of speaking, or I'm not, it would be sinful for me to be scared of doing what I'm doing here, but it would You'd be insane if you weren't nervous, and it's not nervous because you're speaking to a group of people. It's nervous because of what this is right here. It makes me extremely nervous. So I, I, my prayer all week long has been that I say nothing more and nothing less than what he has for you all tonight. So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, my, uh, my original study... I don't know why the Lord has done this, but the Lord constantly in my studies, even before this, well before this, my study has always been on the church. I have always had a heart for the church, and I've always asked God for more of a burden for the lost. I do, just like anybody in here, I want to see people saved. I do, but uh, the Lord has given me a special burden for his people, for his church. Um, And I just can't get away from it in my study. And I wanted to do something really easy. I've taught many Sunday school classes, and I used to teach children's church, where I came from, for many years. So I had, I had a message in my back pocket, and the Lord stripped it from me fast. Uh, but it was over uh, James 3.17, uh, Wisdom from Above. And I'm fairly sharp with that lesson, and uh, taught it many times. And the Lord sent me somewhere that was extremely cloudy, and I kind of have a testimony behind I have a testimony behind this message. It's, uh, it's special to me because I feel like I've been saved for 25 years, but I feel like in the last three weeks I was a child in Christ again as far as just starting to crawl. It's weird how it transpired in the evolution of this message. And it's, it's not trying to make it something that it's not, but it's kind of like a movie. <laughs> and to tell you the truth. But uh, the Lord took me to somewhere that I'm not, I'm not familiar with. I mean, I, I, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I was familiar with some of the material, but it's still cloudy, and that's Revelations. But uh, then he, he scrapped that, too, and I went to a place that's even whatever is cloudier than cloudy, dense, and that's the Song of Solomon's. And, uh, but anyways, I'm going to get started, and I'll tell you the testimony towards the end, and uh, we'll just we'll let the Lord speak tonight. So here in chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 2 of Song of Solomon. It says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with the dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with the sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved hath withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. I don't... You know, Brother brother Brent really set the mark last week with someone outside of Pastor Hoots getting up here on a Wednesday night with 10 points. I don't have any points for you tonight. Uh, and I'm not, there's no big reveal at the end of any of this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you uh, I'm going to have you 
quickly, not right now, but uh, we're going to slightly touch on Revelations uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. It's talking about the one thing that the church of Ephesus, uh, in my opinion, is kind of the epicenter of the church's decay, and that is losing sight of Christ and and not making him first in our lives. It says verbatim here, it says, uh, thou hast left thy first love. But that's the emphasis of, that. that's my second point, but I tell you that to get to this other point. And uh, my, my first main point that we're going to dissect the uh, verses that I just read is to be watchful. And, and, and in watchfulness, be obedient to the Lord. I struggled uh, when I was putting this, together because I didn't really know where the Lord wanted me to be and that had become more evident when I give the testimony but um, I don't know how to say it you know what maybe it doesn't need to be said then I asked, I've been praying about it all week let's jump right in the first part of this verse says I sleep now, sleep here, and by the way, let me give you uh, my thought on this, and, and I struggled with this too, and this wasn't a constant battle coming up with this, but this very, I wanted to be very delicate when addressing the bride of Christ, which is y'all and myself, but um, just outside of my element here, and I wanted to be very cautious of what I said and, and any stances I took that were outside of the truths of God, or I wanted to make sure everything I said was based in God's word. And um, but here we have the Shulamite woman, and you would have to you would have to study uh, verses uh, or chapters one through four to get here. But this is a Shulamite woman that's presented here, but it's a depiction of Christ in the church. The Shulamite woman is the church, and I struggled with this. With this uh, but through prayer, God kind of revealed to me uh, throughout the course of making this message that even if this was just a common bride and her bridegroom. The truth of God does not change in this story. And uh, I was cautious about that, but God gave me ease. I really don't care what anybody has to think about who it is because it doesn't, it's not relevant. It doesn't matter. The truth remains the same. But for the sake of me teaching this, this is Christ in the church. So it says, I sleep. We know that this woman, I just, I, we just got done reading these verses. We know she was sensible. Sleep here refers to a state of slothfulness, which, be, which will become clearer in verse 3. She had not been watching. It says, it follow, it's followed up by, But my heart waketh, it is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. So here, inside, this, it, it, I promise you it will become clearer here in a second because I struggled with this myself. But my heart waketh, it is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. The spirit knew exactly who was standing at the door that night when she was laying in bed. You know, Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. That's a great, it's a phenomenal verse when we're trying to reach the lost. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tool God gives us. But it's just as relevant to you, church, as it is to the lost. Jesus still stands at our heart's door and knocks. Uh, and... But it's a little bit different with us. We're expected to answer. They have a choice. The loss has a choice. And the choice is theirs to make. God gave them free will. But we don't have a choice. We're instructed to obey. And I didn't think I'd get this. You could write this down and do your own study afterwards. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't get into that. But verse 25 gives us a great, or Matthew 25 gives us a great depiction 
of what I'm speaking of here. It's actually commanded. It's talking about the ten virgins. Five of them were diligent and five of them were foolish. And they were commanded to go out and meet the bride. And we're commanded to go out and meet the bride as well. Saying open to me, my sister. We can replace that with family. Okay. My love. Heck, we could go ahead and we're not replacing the word of God, but we could go ahead and, and relate that to the bride. My dove, to say friend, is that is admiring us, church. It, 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 he, my dove, my friend. It's a form of loveliness. He's he's lifting us up. And and I, I told myself I wouldn't go down rabbit trails, but I feel like I have to because the study makes sense when you put it all together. But in Revelations, when we're studying in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelations, God has a way. He has a formula for how he addresses us. And it starts with the commending. He always commends us first. Well, well, five of the churches, or uh, two of the churches... Uh, Sorry, that's the condemning. That's my next point. And then he condemns, okay? Two of the churches, he didn't condemn, or I I found no proof of it myself. But then he follows it up with counsel, and that counsel is followed up by a reward that is given if you heed his advice. You really have to think about it, and I might not be able to articulate it to you tonight, but if you study this by yourself, it's it's great. I mean, poetry, it's, it's phenomenal wording, but the truths that are within it that are kind of hidden within it and they're, they're locked in there. If you, if you unveil that, it's the same formula that he gave us in Revelations, the commending. He sat here and he is admiring his bride, right? Then there's going to be condemning that's soon to come, and we're about to get there. And uh, if you read on, which I'm not getting into that tonight, but if you read on in 6 and 7 and 8, it's the whole process of her coming back to him, which she does. But that was a big rabbit trail. And the last one there, my undefiled, which is to say, my church. For my head is filled with the dew and my locks with the drops of the night. This last part of the first indicates that Jesus had endured. He didn't simply knock once and turn and walk away. How many times has Jesus showed patience to your refusal? And how many times have you thanked him for not walking away? Now, church, I'm going to give some examples, but the examples of are of myself. They're not of anything. I don't even look for faults in my church. It's not something I go out of my way trying to find. So these examples are me. But thank God, first off, that song we sang, God is so good. That was, that was perfect. That was the most perfect song that, that could possibly be sung before this message is presented. How many times God has had patience with me? I've had... I've had situations, it's mainly with tracks, believe it or not, and, and soul winning and, and witnessing to people. It's, it's unbelievable how often he speaks to us at those times because they're so sensitive. There's such a window of time for things to be done, and he needs us to act. But, uh, man, God's been so good to me. There's been so many times, and the reason I say this is because there's been so many times. If I had a, a gas tank for God's grace, it's done filled up so many times because there's been so many times that I've dropped the ball. And, uh, but anyways, God's been there with me the whole time and he's, he's, he's never failed me. And he's always, I mean, this, I'm kind of leaving you on. She couldn't find him here when we get down to verse six, but God's always allowed me to find him in the end. So anyways, let me get back to it. Uh, his head, how do, how do we know he had endured? Well, you can see it right here. He said, my locks with the drops of the night. He'd been out there long enough for the elements to start, uh, 
to start taking their effect. And you know my argument on if this is the bride of Christ and the church is here. If it's not, man, what a horrible bride. Uh, coming up in verse 3, it says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? She wouldn't simply put her coat on to go answer the door for her bridegroom. You know what's even sadder than the, than the statement I just made, and this is a hard thing for me to even understand. I'm, I'm meditating on it. But it, when I put a regular person in the shoes here of a bride not answering the door for her bridegroom over such selfish and such slothful excuses of not wanting to have to clean her feet again or put on a coat, it makes no sense if it's a ra- if it was just two human beings, a regular bride and her bridegroom. But it makes a lot more sense when I think of it being the church and Jesus Christ. And it's sad that in me, I'm like, ah, that makes so much more sense because it happens so often. You know, like I can see that happen. I can't see a regular bride not going and open the door for her husband. But, and I hope that your heart was just pricked because what a twisted way, how, how twisted of a thought is that to say, I expect it from a Christian to Jesus, but not from a woman to a man. That's sad. That's my own thought, too. It's not yours. Anyways, making validations for why we can't at this moment obey is what was, what was happening. And that's what's happening every time we don't knock when Jesus speaks to us, or, or answer when he knocks and speaks to us. Maybe it's self-will, maybe pride. You might have been too busy. Why haven't we answered when he has knocked? You know... Before I get into this next uh, verse here in 4, actually, uh, let me go ahead and do it. My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. You know, I've, I've, been, I've witnessed a person and got some rebuke from that person uh, at work before. This is a, a real event. But, uh, you know, it wasn't taken lightly, and I offended them. And uh, I don't know why I would let that bother me. But then another instance of somebody being in the room and the Lord pressed upon me uh, to, maybe it was to invite them to church. I can't really remember the circumstances. But I felt, I knew who was at the door, you know, knocking. There was no, there was no, uh, there was no question of who it was. And, and I didn't do it because they were right next to the person that rebuked me so hard last time I, I uh, spoke to them about the Lord. And I got to thanking myself with this message. Uh, you know, uh, everything, what's about to happen next over the next two verses happened to me that day. And uh, I fail more than I succeed because when you hear my testimony, just so you know, it's, it's a victory testimony. But I fail more than I exceed. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But um, where I'm trying to get with that is, is maybe it wasn't for that person the Lord was pressing me to speak to. Maybe it was for the person that had rejected him once. And, uh, you know, you never know with God. God is so good. He's so his, his, his providence. Just you never know. So who are we to question his timing? And uh, man, we should just, I know it sounds simple. When I'm sitting here studying this, it sounds so simple. I want to call myself, I know we're not allowed to use the word stupid, so I have to use dumb because it's biblical. But, uh, but anyways, uh, I guess I defeated that because I said the word. So. Anyways, uh, it seems so simple when you're studying it. Just, just say yes. But it's, it's our flesh. It gets in the way. 
the spirit within her wanted to act. It says, uh, my bowels were moved for him. Well, guess what? That day I was speak, wanting to speak to that, that other gentleman. My bowels were moved. If it was a cartoon, the spirit's literally pulling me to do the right thing. But in Matthew 26, 41, it explains it all. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, that, that's, that's so true. You know, it's sad, but it's true. And here in verse 5, it says, I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. The remnants of his presence could still be felt. You know, what really, what really stinks about when those moments come, when he's knocking upon your heart's door, What's, what's really tough is it's usually, there's usually been a void between you and the Lord at those times, or at least with me, unless I'm the only one here that it happens like that. But usually when he speaks to me, I haven't heard from him. And, uh, and depending, depending on how you answer, if you do respond or if you reject him, we'll, we'll let you know if you fall into this category where she opens the door and he's not there. Well, she can feel she can feel that he was just there. She could feel his presence. And in this situation I'm speaking of, I could feel his presence and the Lord hadn't been talking to me. And it's so sweet. I just had the master speaking to me and yet I let my flesh get in the way. And I made the wrong choice. But I could still feel that he was there just a second ago. And now I know it's a long road to get back to him. It doesn't happen overnight. That's just the, the fact of the matter. It doesn't happen by you not. Know, we, you know how it is. I, I honestly know how David feels as sometimes during those uh, situations, Brother Jake, where, where he's, he's tossing and turning in his bed and his bones are waxing. You know, that's a horrible feeling. Yeah. If you ain't ever felt that, you, you need to get saved. Yeah. Good. Hmm. I open to my beloved. But my beloved, here in chapter, in verse 6, I open to my beloved. But my beloved hath withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. This is tough. Oh, it's so tough. I've been there so many times. He will not knock forever. But hey, I want to to retract real fast and rewind. There's been many times, I'm giving a really extreme example, but there's been many times where the Lord hasn't let me, left me alone until I did what he asked. So, uh, so I just, I feel like the Lord needs credit there too. Because he is enduring. And even when he walks away, it doesn't mean he's not enduring with you. It just means that he's getting away from you because you're a sinner. It will not knock forever. There are times that the knock only lasts a moment. Maybe he wanted a track to be handed out. Those opportunities specifically have a window of time. Maybe it's a refusal to an altar call where he has encouraged you to be obedient publicly. The possibilities are endless. Once again, you guys are learning about my life and what I'm convicted about. Altar calls are convicting when you don't meet them. When he wants you to. It's not you, that's me. Hmm. Was there sweet fellowship found? Or was there heartache and distance between you and him? 
just like the book of Matthew mentions in verse in chapter 26, verse 41, the flesh is weak. We have to recognize our disadvantage to make corrective actions. So once again, Revelations 3.20, I read it to you a second ago, but he does stand at our doors. He stands at our door and knocks. And we, we forget so often that that verse is not just meant for the lost man. Now, I want to kind of switch. I want to switch gears and go to uh, Revelations 2. You could turn there if you would like. Um, and I want to speak about the church of Ephesus here. And I kind of want to give you the base of what I had, uh, how I got to where I got. I, to tell you the truth, I, I sat there and I studied about these, these churches, and I couldn't get away from Ephesus. And there was a few, there's a, a few churches that uh, really, really stood out to me. Uh, Sardis, I almost taught this whole lesson off Sardis because it uses the word watchful. And if you're not watching, how in the world do you know when he's going to speak to you? And the study of, of watchful, watchful throughout the Bible, the Bible is extremely rich with that word. But, uh, you know, the Lord kind of made me redact everything. He took me back to where it originated. It was a root of all the problems within the church. And that problem is, is taking your eyes off of Christ. It says in, in uh, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Well, just so you know, before, I want to do this the way that the Lord would do this. He just got finished, if, you, if you're familiar with the uh, chapter, he just got finished telling them about their good works. He just got finished telling them about their labor and how he recognizes that. Their patience. How they were aligned against the Nicolaitans. But then, the commending all took place, but God cannot look past sin and he refuses to. I don't even want to get into the other books. The Laodiceans made me sick. Getting, it's, just, it's just too... I can't be of the right spirit. I guess I'll jump into the testimony here. It just feels right right now. But Pastor Hoots, every time I come to church, I might not take something away from the exact message, but something that he says or, or something that Brother Lewis says in Sunday school, Brother Kevin, take these little daggers that like stick in your back and you got to take them home because they just eat at you. You know, he's... Uh, Trying to find my point. Sorry, guys. But anyways, uh, God cannot look past sin. Well, oh, yeah, that's what it was. As Pastor Hoots had spoken about John and James. He didn't even hit on it. It wasn't even part of the lesson. Uh, but he's talking about John and James walking with Jesus, and they had rejected, or not rejected, they had uh, not received Christ, and they were asking if they should pray for fire to come from heaven and consume them. And Jesus, not, not verbatim, but, you know, you're not of the right spirit. You know, not what spirit you're of. You know, when I was going through this study, I was not in the right spirit. I was learning, and I was actively learning, and I was diligently seeking. But my spirit was angry. And that's not, if you know me, that's not the kind of guy I am. I get passionate, but I'm not an angry, I'm not an angry Christian. I'm not an angry coworker or friend either. But I, I didn't have the right spirit. And the Lord went silent on me. I mean, completely silent. He led me here. And then it, it, it got completely silent. 
And another thing Pastor Hoots had said uh, that stuck with me, it was, I think it was towards the end of one of his messages, and it was relatively close to the past few Sundays, it was that we should be encouraging to others, and to other Christians. We should be encouraging. One of the co-workers at our, at our work was passing by, and he was on the phone with one of our brothers who's the pastor. His name's uh, Larry Lafanier. And uh, Larry was in Flo, Texas. I think Pastor actually said something about asked the church if they knew where Flo was. But it's, it's a little over two hours away. And God had not spoke to me in a, right about a week. And he definitely had placed me where I needed to be. And then he left. Now hindsight's twenty twenty. I know exactly what's happening. He needed my radars to be on so I could hear his voice. So, and I, I thank him. It's so weird, but I thank him for not talking to me. And I thank him for all the, all the nervousness and wondering if I was doing something wrong throughout this study. Everything I was doing, I, I, was, I was having to deal with myself and making sure that I, was, that I was on the right standing with him. But it wasn't any of that at all. It is, it is a wonderful thing because when that brother walked by me on the phone, something inside me said, you should go. And then the next thing that proceeded out of my mouth was, you know, it'd be encouraging to him from that lesson that we heard, looking for, just looking to be encouraging to somebody. Well, Brother Larry, he definitely didn't just go over the five verses that we just read. It was Song of Solomon in its entirety. And he's going to be listening to this service tonight, but it'll be all right. He's a tough guy. I, when he got when he got to these verses, I... I don't even remember what he said afterwards. It was, it, was, it was the most unbelievable experience I've ever had in my 25 years of being a Christian because the Lord dealt with me right then and there at that church, just telling me, not, nah, I'm not a schizophrenic. He's not literally there whispering in my ear. Or maybe he is. I don't know. But it wasn't really a conversation. It's just you know when the Spirit speaks to you saying this is why you came this is why this is what I had for you now go put the message together and I hope you guys are following and if you're not I encourage you to study And if it's not moving to your heart because it's extremely moving to mine maybe this service tonight was for me but anyways I went to give a blessing and God in his goodness God is so good like the song said I went to give the blessing and I received the blessing and like a selfish child, the very next night, I was wanting another blessing. So I went again, drove another four hours. And I, I sincerely wanted another blessing because God had just got done. You feel those remnants, right, Brother Jake? The remnants of Christ. And you, can't, you can't help but want more of it. That's why heaven's going to be so good is because it never goes away. Right? But anyways, I, I go to get another blessing that night. And I walk out of there the same way I walked in. And once again, Brother Larry's not going to like that. But, but it wasn't for me. It was probably for someone else in the church. But on the ride home, Brother Larry called me, and he's a tough guy. Me and him are really good friends. But he's a tough guy. And he said, hey, Brother, I just want you to know it was very special the first night that you came. He said, but seeing you come that far again, he's like, was a true blessing and such an encouragement in the Lord. You see, so I went and I... I went to give a blessing. I received a blessing. And then I went to get a blessing, and I gave a blessing. 
That's nothing short of God. It had nothing to do with me. Because I was selfish throughout the whole process. Or the second half of the process. Yeah, it is good. But moving forward, I know I didn't touch on revelations, and I hope I'm not leaving uh, questions to be answered here. But the message is simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If we put him first, we can't decay. We can't decay if he's first in our lives. You know, I could go through, and Brother Jake can make fun of me because I know I'm going to get their names wrong. I've been practicing with Brother Jake at work because I can't say Thyatira or however you say it. I'm still getting it wrong. But uh, it's just, it, it doesn't work with Texas draw, I guess. But uh, I, could, I could explain the decay of the church to you all, and you guys need to study it for yourselves. The church allowed a doctrine in. The next church, the doctrine's being preached. The following church, the church dies. So they, they're, they're a Christian by name only. That's Sardis, the dead church. It says you have a name that you live, but you are dead. That decaying process cannot start if we make Jesus first. Yes. <sighs> but it requires that we do the things that he requires of us, like reading our Bible and praying. Yes. You know, I don't know if you if you all know this gentleman, but his name's Arthur Pink. He's got a pretty cool quote. It says, the Bible is no lazy man's book. It says, much of its treasure, like the valuable minerals stored in the bowels of the earth, only yield up themselves to the diligent seeker. Pastor Hirsch just got done teaching on diligence, and that by itself, brother, was such a blessing. It's changed my life. But, uh, Brother Jake... If we're not diligently seeking the Lord and we're not putting the Lord first, this evangelizing program, this outreach program will go nowhere. And uh, last thing is, through this study, and I don't want to bounce everywhere, but I just feel like it needs to be said. You can't separate church obedience and individual obedience. By one man, David, took a nation to new heights. Then by one man, Achan, an army was brought to its knees. I tried, I tried my hardest, I really did, church, to, to uh, support some kind of church obedience. And it's nowhere to be found outside of individual obedience. My children go here, so my prayer is that y'all are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And all I have is my word is that I'm trying to do my best to make sure I'm not the hindrance in the church. But it's going to require us to get, in, get into our, our Bibles our lifeline, and uh, and study diligently and seek after the Lord. And Pastor, that's all the Lord has for me tonight.